Well, good morning, everybody. Everyone's talking. Hello. <laughs> now, House can see what happens at breaks when he's not here. Uh-oh. I went backwards somehow. Sorry about that. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Tamara. I'm the associate pastor here at this beautiful church. Um, we are starting our new sermon series this week, Simple Gifts. And um, this is from the traditional Jewish housewarming. And uh, we came up with this. Actually, Kim came up with this back at one of our trustee meetings when we were doing some prophetic prayer and trying to plan. We, we plan pretty far in advance, but we always seek the Lord. And we are always willing to be flexible and change if he so chooses to change our, our ideas, which he does often. But this one um, was kind of fun, and we put it at lunch because we thought it's the perfect time to do it. Because many of these things um, go hand in hand with the Jewish Passover, such as bread, which we we're going to be talking about today. So the first simple gift we're going to be talking about is bread. And the blessing that they say when they bring a bread to your house is that so that you shall never know hunger. So that you will never know hunger. It's not like, well, you'll be hungry sometimes. No, you'll never know hunger. And so they want, when you establish your home, they want to make sure that it is always filled with food and love and family. And so they bring you bread. Now, bread, okay, I'd salivate looking at all these pictures of bread. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, you get some bread today. So, woohoo! And it's going to be good. Um, bread. It's amazing how many times it's in, oops, in the Bible. It's mentioned 267 times in the NIV Bible. Yes. There are all sorts of reasons about mentioning bread. One is hospitality. If you read all these stories, when people come to visit, they always tell their servants or their wives, go inside, get the finest flour, and make unleavened bread. Now, unleavened bread is just bread without yeast. And why do they do that? Because it's quick. Yeast, how many of you have made yeast rolls or yeast bread? It takes a long time. And so when they want to welcome someone into their home and be hospitable, they go and they make unleavened bread. And they do it right on the spot. How good is that? Ugh. Hospitality. Oh, wrong side. The other one is sacrifice. Um, when they built the temple or when they built the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle, they would offer bread to the Lord as a way of, he well, he commanded it, and it was a way of pleasing him. Think about fresh baked bread and how, can you close your eyes and smell fresh baked bread? I got to smell it yesterday while I was baking some bread. And just, it's a pleasing aroma to the Lord, but it's also saying, Lord, you are our promise keeper, our bread, and we're going to offer this to you. It's also a festival. The festival of unleavened bread is just before the Passover. It celebrates the time that the Lord took them out of Egypt. It celebrates the time that he told them to get prepared to make unleavened bread. Why? Because it needed to be done quickly, and it needed to be able to travel. Unleavened, unleavened bread travels a lot better and a lot longer than yeast bread. So he wanted it to be quick. He wanted it to be able to travel with them. 
Didn't know that, did you? I know I heard someone say I didn't know that. Prophetic. How many of you remember? I remember I preached on this. Gideon went down into the camp, and the guy had the prophetic vision of this bread rolling down the hill. And the guy, I know, weird, isn't it? So the bread came rolling down the hill and struck the camp and basically killed everybody. And the person that interpreted it said, that can only be Gideon. So bread is used in prophetic visions and dreams. And this one was that Gideon would be the conqueror. Bread, conqueror, weird. I I loved looking into all this stuff because it was really fun. And of course, bread is Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. And we'll be going over a verse in just a few minutes with that one. Well, thank you. Are you doing it? Oh, I'm like, it's moving without me. Miracle. I know. Miracle. Bread was used in a miracle. How many of you remember the feeding of the 5,000? Jesus broke. They had 5,000 people. The disciples are going, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? There was worry. And we only have a couple, a loaf of bread and a fish. How do we feed all these people? There's 5,000 people there, probably a little more. How do we feed all these people? And Jesus goes, really? What, what's your ideas? They're like, okay, if we go down to the store, we're not going to have enough money. So how do we do this? And I'm sure Jesus was exasperated by them going, come on, how long have you known me now? So all he did was break bread and pray and gave thanks. And they fed the 5,000. And what happened afterwards? They gathered 12 basketfuls of bread. Bread is used in miracles. Yeah, I forgot you're doing it. So now I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Bread the promise. Oh my gosh, I'm getting crazy here. All right, I'll let you push it. Bread is promises. In the Old Testament, we're going to read um, in just a minute from Exodus. Bread is the promise of God. So go ahead, cows. Let's go to the next slide. And it's from Exodus. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumblings of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Now this is when the Israelites were brought out of Egypt. Remember, they were slaves. They were working their hands to the bone. And they grumbled against God and said, God, send us a rescuer. So he sent Moses, who brought them out of Egypt. And now they're in the desert wandering because, you know, they're, what did God call them? Stiff-necked people. They continue to rebel against them. But yet he continued to provide for them. And now they're grumbling because, you know, they had it so much better in Egypt. Because they had all the food they wanted, which was not really true. They were slaves. They still had very little. So that evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. 
And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. Remember that. No one is to keep any of it in the morning. However, right? It's always a however. Some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Now, we have a tendency, and I've seen it more in the older generation, but there is still some in this generation as well, is that because of the Great Depression, they held on to everything. I saw it in my parents. I still see it in my mom. Um, and I see it in some of the older generation, is that they are so afraid that nothing is going to come in the morning. Just like the Israelites, they were so afraid that God really wasn't going to provide for them that they kept it, and it became disgusting, right? Filled with maggots and rottenness and smells. And I'm sure, could you imagine in your tents you've got maggots and that smell? Have you, uh, ugh. Anyways, we do the same thing, don't we? We hold on to things thinking, well, maybe God won't come through on this, so I think I will hold back on my tithes. I'm going to hold back in this. I'm not going to give up my time. I'm not going to, um, well, I can't go to that function at night because maybe I won't have enough gas to get to work in the morning. All those little things that we forget to trust God with. So each morning everyone gathers much of the day, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. Can you imagine after they've kept it and it's gone rotten, now the Lord's telling them to keep it? This is a true test of the Lord, isn't it? Are you going to trust me to provide everything for you? So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is the Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. How many of us have done this? The Lord says, don't do something, and we're like, oh, let me see. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go out and gather some more. It's not there. I'm sorry. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? How long? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. Now, it's interesting. When my dad grew up in rural Pennsylvania, coal mining town, they went to church on Sunday morning. They had cooked on Saturday enough food for the next day because it was the day of Sabbath. You didn't cook. They would bring out the cold food, and it was always something, you know, you could eat cold like chicken or whatever. They would bring out the cold food, the vegetables, the fruit, and they would eat that because you did not work. The only thing you had to do was maybe feed your animals. They had, you know, a little farm, so they had to feed their animals. But that was it. It was feed the animals in the morning, 
church in the morning, and then it was a day of rest. So they re- the people rested on the seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. And Wendy, what does manna mean? What is this? Exactly. What is this? Manna? Hmm? So they didn't know what it was, so they called it manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Manna. This is a reminder of God's provision for the Israelites. In the Old Testament, and even for Jews today, they remember that when Lord gave manna to provide for the Israelites while they wandered the desert for 40 years until they learned their lesson, right? That they gave them manna to eat. This bread, bread is a promise from God that he will always, always provide for us. But our true bread, right, is when Jesus came. Next. Oh, you did. Thanks. Said to, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Come every day to me and you will never be hungry. Believe in me and you will never be thirsty. And I love this translation that it's come every day to me. It's not just come once. Many people think, well, I, I trusted Jesus in 1973. I'm good. No, you need to go to him every day. Come to me every day and you will never be hungry. Now, it's interesting. We're going to learn a little. How do you say that? Bet lechem. 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 Bet lechem. Bethlehem is house of bread. Where is Jesus born? In Bethlehem. The bread, house of bread. Jesus, bread of life. Bread. Is it arrow? Arrow. To take upon oneself and carry what has been raised up to bear. And then life is zoe. Every living soul. I cry when I think about it. Go back. Go back, house. There we go. So Jesus, as the bread of life, takes every little soul upon himself and carries us. He bears our burden. He bears our sorrows. He bears everything and gives us life. How cool is that? That we can trust in this bread of life and he will do all that for us. Now, recently, okay, so not so recently, We have a lot of anxiety based in fear, right? Think of everything that is going on. Coronavirus, right? He's not keeping up with me now. Coronavirus. How many of you have been watching the news and you start to feel a little panicky when they start talking about the coronavirus? I'm going to tell you guys, wash your hands. Drink lots of water. Get sleep. Take some vitamins. There's studies out there that I've been reading. Vitamin C will kill it. Take a lot of vitamin C. Do essential oils. Do whatever. Just, and don't be around sick people. That's all you need to do. Come on. And don't wear a mask. If you're not sick, don't wear a mask. They're dumb. They don't work. Because guess what? Guess where viruses can get into? Your eyeballs. So unless you're wearing a full head gear, it's not going to work. That's my PSA for right now. Oh, politics. I am going to be so happy when this part of the election is over. How about you? Holy cow, I hate election years. I love the election process in which we get to vote for our leaders. I hate the process that gets us to it. 
Politics is nothing but getting us to be fearful of the other person. And it doesn't help. It makes us anxious. It makes us panic-stricken. I mean, I can't even tell you some of the people. I know people on the far left. I know people on the far right. I know people all in the middle. And, oh, my gosh, I'm like, you guys, do you really hear what you're saying about stuff? Because they're both attacking each other, and it, they're both just wrong. So it's it's horrid. So we'll just get off the plot. <sighs> stock market. Oh, my gosh, the stock, stock market is crashing. China's closed their borders, and we're all in doom and gloom, and we're all going to die because we're not going to have money, and we're not going to be able to buy food and feed our children. The stock market has gone down, yes, but guess what? It's where it was a year ago. And it was up. Yeah, we called it up then. So why is it so bad? So why is it bad? Yeah, it came down. But doesn't the stock market fluctuate quite a bit? So I like to watch the news because I like to be informed. But I don't let it guide me. Does that make sense? Or direct how I'm feeling? I just want to know, okay, so the coronavirus, where is it? Okay, good. Now I know. Political stuff? Mm. And then all the other stuff, right? I want to, I be, want to be informed, but I'm not going to let it, um, scare me. Healthcare. Ah, oh, that's another one. I worked in the healthcare field for 16 years. And I worked in the healthcare field when, um, FHP started. And the doom and gloom that came with that. And the HMOs and all this stuff. Healthcare will work it out. You know, it's going to work itself out. But we get tied up because everyone's like, you need free. No, you got to pay for it. No, we're all going to die because we're not going to be able to get health care because we're going to wait 32 weeks to see a specialist. You know what? Don't worry about it. God's going to, God's in control. He's going to work it out. We're coming up on the season, right? Taxes. Am I going to, yay, John's favorite season, our CPA. Our accountant, John, loves tax season. It's fun for him. For the rest of us, we hate it. Are we going to get money back? Are they sucking us dry for taking it all? Are they going to raise our taxes some more? It all makes us crazy. So here is what I'm going to tell you. When we look at the world, it brings fear, panic, and anxiety. When we look at the world, when we watch the news, when we look at what's going around the world, if we let that come into us, we are going to be fearful, panicked, and anxiety-ridden, right? How many of you have been there before because you've concentrated too much on the world? I have, so it's not. But looking to God brings his manna, his promises of provision, and his peace. If we look to God, he will, it will bring his manna, his promises of provision, and his peace. Next slide. Matthew 6, 25, 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Or they eat my chicken food. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single 
hour of your life. I'm going to say it's going to take away from your life, right? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, or who should we vote for, do we pay our taxes or not, or do we have health care or not, will we have a good doctor or not, or should we wear a mask or not, should we travel or not. For the pagans run after all these things. The pagans run after all these things. Not Christians. The pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of his own. Amen for that one. So here's my worries. This is my parents' backyard, and yes, it's a really big backyard, and that is our apricot tree. I just took that this morning, or yesterday morning, actually, because I was struck by the blossoms on it. I'd been in such a rush all week um, when I'd go back there that I knew it was blooming, but I didn't realize how much it had blossomed. So $5. This was several years ago. It was before we planted this church, so it was quite a while ago. I had... Um, about $7 in my wallet. I was unemployed. I had lost my job. And um, I had a mortgage, association fees, and all the bills that went in it. And um, I was worried, you know. But every every month the Lord provided and I paid my bills. I still to this day don't know how it did it because my checkbook and the money and my bills did not match up. But the Lord did it. And so I had the seven dollars in my in my purse, and it had to last me for I think like a week and a half, something like that. And that was kind of like, all right. So I was leaving church, and this um, gentleman came up to me and he goes, "Tamara, do you have five dollars for gas? I just need five dollars just so I can get home." And I just I looked at him, I thought, I only have five, you know, maybe seven dollars in my purse. And I said. I said, I am so sorry. I'm out of work. I only have a few bucks left in my wallet. And I just, I can't right now. He goes, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. And he blessed me. He said, I hope, I pray that the Lord blesses you and provides for you. And so I walked away and I had my arms full of stuff because I was on the praise team. So, you know, those big binders we carry, those big binders. And I had my purse and everything. And the Lord says, what are you doing? And I stopped walking. And I said, what do you mean, Lord? And he goes, why didn't you give him the $5 he asked for? I said, but Lord, I only have a few dollars. And he goes, have I not provided for you? Why in the world would you not give him what he asked for? And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, but, but now I'm going to tell you the selfish part of this. That I didn't tell you before. My whole thought process was, I need a treat. I have been slaving away. I've been worried, and I need a treat. And I had to drive to um, Rosemead that afternoon after church, and I was going to stop at Starbucks and get a treat. I wanted a chai tea latte for my drive. 
because I was really tired because I woke up super early in the morning and I was really tired. I thought, I deserve a treat. And that's what I was going to use my money for. And the Lord said, really? Is that what you're going to use your money for? Do you not trust me enough? And I'm like, okay, Lord. Lord, let me just run to my car and put all my stuff down. So I went to my car, put my stuff down, grabbed my five bucks, went. I looked probably like a crazy woman because I'm running around the campus of Grace Lutheran Church. Where is he? Where is he? Have you seen him? And I was going up to every person, running around with my five bucks. Have you seen him? And they're like, no. I'm like, i got to find him. i got to, Lord, show me where he is. All of a sudden, he came out of the bathroom. Was, you know. And I said, the Lord told me to give this to you. And he goes, no, you need it more than I do. And I'm like, no, I don't. I really don't. And so I gave him the $5 for his gas. And I left, and I felt so good. I felt lighter than I had in a couple months because I was really listening to what the Lord said. So I went home, took a little nap before I had to drive because I knew I wasn't going to get my chai tea latte. And I got up, and I'm like, okay. And the Lord directed me to a drawer. So I opened up this drawer. I'm like, where'd that change come from? I had enough to buy a chai tea latte. (laughs) I picked it up. I'm like, gosh, thank you, Lord. Got my chai tea latte, went to Rosemead, did my thing. Now, still my $5 story, went to church midweek, and someone came up to me and said, someone asked me to give this to you and just kind of shoved something in my hand and said, put it in your pocket for later. So I put it in my pocket for later, walked out, pulled it out later. It was a $50 bill. And he said, the person had told me the Lord told me to give this to you. And I was like, wow, that's like puts gas in my car. I'm so excited. Thank you, Lord. So the next Sunday, so it's a week away, Sunday, I'm at a retreat center in Rosemead working the weekend, and someone came up to me, and I was wearing an apron, and put something in my pocket and said, the Lord told me to give this to you, and shoved something into my pocket. I said, okay, thank you. You know, and so they go, open it later. I said, okay, so a little bit later, I, oh, yeah, what is this? So I pulled out, it was an envelope, and I open it up. It's a check for $250. And I'm like, what the heck? And the Lord said, when you trust me, I will provide. I'm like, holy cow. Thank you, Lord. My tithes versus bills story. Um, The Lord had told me, it was during the same time, but this was probably a few months later, to tithe $100. What, Lord? He goes, tithe $100. Okay, Lord. Wrote my check out, gave it. A few days later, Sitting down to all my bills, <clears throat> I'm short. And so instead of remembering my $5 story that he will provide for me always, I started grumbling and complaining, just like the Israelites. And I said, Lord. And I held up my checkbook. Do you see this, Lord? Do you see these, Lord? This is how I, I really do talk to the Lord like this. I have no filter with him. And he loves me for it. And I said, they don't match. I tithed. And now I'm short. You want me to give you something? And now I'm short. How am I going to do this? And I, I mean, I'm crying because I'm just 
frustrated with life at the moment. And I'm crying. And so I hadn't opened up the mail from that day. So I'm looking through it. Bills, bills, bills. And I get a thing. And I'm like, oh, it's just a card from somebody. Because I'm getting random cards just saying, we're praying for you, which I loved. Or thinking about you. And I open it up. And it was from my dear sweet friend, Jan. And he said, I felt like the Lord asked me to send you this. And I opened it up, and it was a check for the exact amount I needed to pay my bills. Exact amount. And the Lord said, see, I will provide for you. I will always provide for you. You never have to worry. So yesterday morning, I was kind of in a grumpy mood. I was kind of just thinking about a lot of things. A lot of things have been coming down the pipe. Not always good this last few weeks of what we're going to do and all these different things, um, how to help my mom, and and just a lot of burden has been placed on my shoulders. Has been for a while, but again. So I went out and I saw these blooms, and I was just struck by their beauty. So I ran inside and got my phone so I could take a picture, right? So I took a picture of our apricot tree. And it rem- all of a sudden God started speaking to me. This is a new season. And new life. This apricot represents new season, new life, and fruitfulness. And the same goes for you. For anyone that believes in me, you can have a new life, new season, and fruitfulness. And then all of a sudden I felt I was wearing flip-flops, so a a drop of water hit my foot. And I was like, is that a bird? What was that? You know? And then all of a sudden it just started raining. And I was like... I just stood there with my phone taking pictures. I was just like, I love the rain. I love the rain so much. And he said to me, look, you've been worried about watering all your plants because it's been so dry. I'm sending you rain. And remember, don't worry, I will provide. And so yesterday morning, as he was talking to me, because I was worrying about provisional stuff, he reminded me again not to worry that he will provide. So here's some practicalities. Remember that even our wanderings, God will provide manda, manna, just like he did for the Israelites, just like he's done for me. Two, stop looking at the world. It only brings anxiety, fear, and panic. Focus on God, his word, and prayer for his provisions and peace. This month for our prayer cards, if you haven't looked at them, if you didn't grab one, grab one. It is for Lent. And Lent is about drawing closer to God on a personal level. And that's what we're being praying about. So the first prayer is pray that you grow closer to God to know his heart and his ways. That's one way he provides manna is by getting to know him. So focus on God, his word, and prayer for his provision and peace. Four, come to Jesus, the bread of life, every day. Every day come to Jesus. In Psalm 104, 13 through 15, he the Lord waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for the people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oils to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. I'm going to bring the worship team up. Trust the Lord for your daily bread. Don't look at the world anymore. Trust the Lord. 
He is the bread of life. He is your manna. He will provide for you. He has, if you look back, think right now, just look back over your life and think of the times that you thought things were impossible. And what happened? The Lord provided. It doesn't matter what it was. Maybe it was the correct diagnosis. Maybe it was a correct medicine. Maybe it was money. Maybe it was a workable car. Maybe it was a person coming to your side to support you, to love you right where you are. Maybe it was the coming into church and the church family surrounding you with prayer. Whatever it is, the Lord will provide. If we come to him every day and if we trust him and his word and his work. I guess I'll stretch because Jen's not here yet. So think back. Today when we take communion, we're going to be breaking the bread of life. And at the end, we are going to give you little loaves of bread that has the blessing on it. Bread, so you shall never know hunger. And it's going to go twofold. You'll never know hunger just physically, but you'll never know hunger spiritually if you trust in the Lord. Come to him every day and believe in him. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus, the bread of life that you have given to us that was broken to save us so that we may live eternally with you. Lord, thank you for that. And Lord, thank you for being our way maker, our promise keeper, and our provider. Lord, and those times that we forget, send those gentle reminders to us. Bring us back memories of the times you have provided, that you have kept your promise, so that we can go forward with courage and with strength. Lord, provide for each person here. Continue to do so. Continue to provide for this church, Lord, so that we can do your kingdom work, that we can expand your kingdom, so that we can expand your love and your grace, your mercy and your word to the world. Lord, use each of us, partners with each of us, to bring your light into this anxiety, panic, fear-ridden world where darkness seems to overtake, Lord, but your light shines brighter and brighter through each one of us. So thank you, Lord, for that. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. We're going to do something very special for communion. We're going to be using excuse me, loaves of bread for to remind us of this message throughout Lent. And in the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples. And we just usually skateboard over those words, but there are words he would have used. And they're the words that are used in the blessing of the bread even to this day in Jewish families. And it goes like this. Baruch Ata Adonai. Blessed are you, O Lord. Eloheinu Melech Haolam, which is our God. Melech is king. Haolam of the everything, of the universe. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, king of the universe. And here's where it gets really cool. It says, Ha, 
Hamotzi, who brings forth et lechem. Lechem, of course, is bread. We talked about that before. Who brings forth bread. Chachayim. You've seen Fiddler on the Roof, Lechayim. Chayim. Chai is life. And if you see, Jewish women often wear necklaces with the Hebrew word chai there, which means life. And chayim is life abundant for everybody. And so, talks about here bringing forth bread of life, the bread of life, min hashemayim, out of heaven. And heaven isn't just the place we, we go when we die. Heaven is the spiritual source of all creation. And what Jesus is saying here, and what Tamara was teaching on, is that source is dynamic. It's not static. It's not limited. Heaven is unlimited. And heaven continues to produce, even the 5,000, extra stuff. Wendy and I, 10, 15 years ago, had $10,000 show up in our checking account, and it wasn't a gift from anybody, and we went to the bank, and they couldn't figure it out. It was just there. Resources are not limited. Who remembers the weekly reader from the 60s? You, those of you old enough. By now, we'd be out of gas, um, out of uh, out of petroleum, out of everything. There'd be 50 billion people living on the earth. We'd all be starving. And it didn't happen. The cool thing about getting older is when Chicken Little says the sky is falling, you realize you've heard this before. And God is still on his throne. And God continues to provide dynamically and abundantly provides life out of heaven, folks. Your life right now, your consciousness, is a total mystery to science. We don't know what consciousness is. We don't know what life is. We can't define death because people come back from every kind of death we've had and have done fine. It's a complete mystery, and it comes from heaven. And when we receive this bread, we're reminded that God provides for us in a dynamic and powerful way. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. From the heavens. Let's pray. Lord, in the night in which he was, in the light in which your son was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks with these words, these ancient words which we've just shared. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Not just to remember Jesus, but to remember the bread of heaven that's the source of our lives. After the same manner also, he took the cup. Gave thanks and gave it for them all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. We just prayed. Give us this day our daily bread, every day, to continue to provide for us. So we're going to move things around just a little bit up here for room. And I'm going to ask the worship team to play, especially quietly, as people come forward. And I'd like you to come forward as the Lord leads you and receive bread and to take the bread and dip it into the cup, the bread of heaven. 
We don't understand what communion is about. I don't know why people argue over communion. Theologians say, well, it's this or it's that, but it's a great mystery of the presence of God. And we want to come forth and be receptive to God's presence, expecting Jesus to show up in the bread. So I invite you forward as you're ready, and you're going to receive a very special gift from my wife, Wendy. This is uh, made by Tamara. She was baking this stuff yesterday. Can you imagine preparing this message while you're breaking, baking the bread and smelling this and just having that kind of... Take that home and just remember that the Lord provides for his people. So let's come forward as you're ready and uh, just open up your heart to receive the bread of heaven.